few weeks ago, hundreds, maybe thousands of aspiring cooks and home chefs uh, started doing uh, this thing where they began dreaming and planning and envisioning what they would serve for this meal that happens once a year called Thanksgiving. And uh, regardless of where you land with the meaning of it, um, for many people, it is a time where we celebrate and we gather together. I know Sophie and I, we were down in, in our kitchens. Um, and while the, the normal reshuffling of while the normal reshuffling of the contents of the refrigerator, like that happens normally, like it, it's, it's real special when it comes to Thanksgiving meal. Because when you look around, like you're inevitably landing at the place where you say, I have got to make some space. Like I've got to make some room. And it's, it's usually here where we make the decision to, to throw out, you know, the leftover lasagna from Thursday or the dried out chicken from Tuesday that you promised you were going to make into a sandwich and it's still there, or the 17 jars that are expired that you just haven't brought yourself to really look at the date. But now now you're finally doing that because you need to make space. And this meticulous purging of the old for, for one goal to make space for what you know is coming. The ingredients that you're going to use the nice ham for those that make it, the mac and cheese, the turkey, or what we make at home for those folks with that meat. You know it's going to be good. You know what's coming. But you've got to make some space because otherwise it's not going to fit in there. And that idea seems natural enough, right? Uh, when, when you don't have any more space in the trash can, what do you do? You throw out the trash. You put it in the new bag. Now you have more space. When the laundry bag is full, you take the laundry and you actually wash it go wash clothes so you have more room, like, and so on and so forth. You know, this, this, our, our digestive systems are, are really good at, like, making space. Companies that work and people that indiv- and individuals that work in inventory know what that whole thing is about in and out and that whole thing. And it's just to make space. We have to continuously make space. Today we're, we're in our second week of Advent, which last week and this morning uh, we, we were reminded that it's about... Um, coming. The word Advent means coming, specifically the coming of Jesus into the world, not just 2,000 years ago, but now in our present reality and in our current circumstances, Jesus is coming to heal, to restore, to be present in our pain, to save us in our time of need. But the question I have is, when he comes, will we have space? And that's what I want to spend a few minutes talking about today. The topic of cultivating the space for the king. Advent. The coming of Jesus into the world, not just at his birth, but the totality of his coming. It's represented in what Jesus said in Mark chapter 1. He says this, after John, this is John the Baptist, was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, when we see this passage, we see first what God does. The kingdom of God has come near. That's, that's not our doing. Like, we don't have to do anything. Jesus is coming. The kingdom 
of God has come near. But at the same time, we're presented with an invitation, a part of this that is our doing. Repent and believe the good news. You see, we also have a part to play in the reality of Advent. In this message of repentance, it's the same thing that John the Baptist had been preaching long before. We see in today's text, which you'll also find in the back of your bulletin, Luke chapter 3, it says this, The word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall become straight, and the rough places shall become level ways. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Sometimes I'll look at it at different translation, and I like how the Passion translation has that last part. It says this, listen, you will hear a thunderous voice in the lonely wilderness telling you to wake up and get your heart ready for the coming of the Lord Yahweh. Make straight every twisted thing in your lives. Bring into light every dark way. Make right every wrong. Remove injustice. Every heart of pride will humbly bow before him. Every deception will be exposed and replaced by the truth to prepare everyone everywhere to see the light. Prepare the way of the Lord. Get your heart ready for the coming of Yahweh. In other words, make space for the king. Now for, for some of us, um, maybe growing up, the idea of Jesus' coming, uh, some by show of hands, who knows the idea, Who, for whom was the idea of Jesus presented with the idea of grace? That grace has come, Jesus has come. This idea of grace where it's placed over us like a blanket, that, that it's going to cover us of all sin. And boom, that's it. That's grace. That's Jesus. He covered our sins, and we're good, and that's fine. And, and while that is a part of it, that's not entirely what grace is meant for. James Ryle says this of grace, God's empowering presence enabling us to be all we were created to be, and enabling us to do all we were created to do. In other words, it's not just this blanket that covers the lie you said this morning, or the cheating that you did when you were playing that, that game last week. It, it's not just that. It's much deeper. It's the presence of God that comes to empower us and enable us to be and do all that we were created to be and do. When we look at this season of Advent and the coming of Jesus, yes, there is what God does. He does cover sin. He does. The kingdom draws near, but there is also a part that we play, which is to prepare, to get our hearts ready, and to make space for the king. Now, I, I keep referencing God's part and our part because if we don't grasp this, I, I think we run the risk of missing the deeper meaning of Advent and what God desires to do. Because the truth of Jesus is coming, right? Jesus is coming, that is without doubt. Like, that's going to happen. But is there going to be space in our hearts? 
will there be room in the inn of our heart? You guys know the story. There was no room at the Will there be room in our heart when he shows up? So how do we, how do we cultivate this space? Looking at 1 Peter 1.23, it says this. It says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. That imperishable seed of God, it has come that has been implanted. That is what God does. But later on in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Therefore, so since the seed has come, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So as a result of what God has done, we're no longer who we used to be. So we are to get rid of the things that are not of our new nature. To cultivate the space for the kingdom to come. And I want to present three ways from today's text that we're invited to cultivate the space. First, we're called to bring into light every dark way. The church, the church is called to be the community of truth. What Jesus intended when he called the disciples was that they, and in essence us, would live in community, in an undisclosed, open, honest relationship, not just with God, but with each other and with the world. Now the word truth uh, comes from the Greek word aletheia, which means not covered, not concealed, not hidden. And it's all about being open and honest and bringing things into light. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, there will no, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, this is him contrasting who we used to be and who we are now, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. What Paul is laying out here is, uh, is laying out to the church in Ephesus a way of living that brings into light that which is hidden. And he continues in verse 25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Throw it away. Put off falsehood. And speak truthfully. Truthfully. Aletheia. Not concealed. Speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Now, when it talks about anger there, notice what he says about anger. He doesn't say that anger in, it, in itself is a sin. He says, in your anger, do not sin. So, yeah, you could be angry and not be in sin, but in your anger, don't sin. And he's pointing to that sin as being the dishonesty, the hiddenness, this perpetuation of being concealed, of not being honest, of not being truthful. That's what he's highlighting. And if we're not honest and living in falsehood, we're living in hiddenness and actually in sin. Not just that, but that actually gives the devil a foothold. And we are not living truthfully. And that's not who we're called to be. We need to remember that in order to cultivate the space 
to our hearts for the King to come. We are first called to bring into light every dark. Next, in order to cultivate the space of our hearts for the King to come, we're called to make right every wrong. Make right every wrong. James 5.16 reads, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, when we read that, it might be easier for us to think of the sins that we commit against God. Right? It's, it's natural for us to kind of lean on that. But I think there's a significant component in this that's actually the sins we commit against and Jesus himself highlighted this horizontal horizontal relational reality when in teaching on offering, he writes this in Matthew 5. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You see, sometimes the process of cultivating the space in our hearts will look like righting the wrongs that we've either participated in or allowed to permeate around us. And, and this kind of gets into the little nitty-gritty because it's not comfortable because we don't like going there. We don't like righting wrongs with people that have wronged us or that we've wronged. But it is part of the journey. There's a there's a spiritual component there. Jesus like saying like I don't I don't I don't want your offering. I don't want your sacrifices. Like that's not what I'm after. Like you have to go be reconciled. Make right every wrong. Last, as we cultivate the space of our hearts for the King to come, we are called to remove. Micah 6 reads this. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. What else, what else does the Lord require? Except God. Separately, the prophet Isaiah said, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, Bring justice to the fathers and plead the widow's heart. Now, the, the pursuit of justice is intimately connected to the reality of who we are called to be, to be a just people, to pursue biblical justice. And the kind of, of justice that, that sees people first as image bearers that sees people first as beings that were created by the very hand of God and then lives outwardly from that reality, from that truth. Not just that we think it inside, but that those internal postures lead to external practices. Luke chapter 11, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he's highlighting a specific disconnect when it comes to this. He says this, when Jesus uh, had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. 
But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter. Pharisees, they were really good at cleaning the outside. Man, it's like, have you guys ever stepped into a car that the outside looked nice and shiny, and you step inside, and it's like, what's going on here? Someone needs a vacuum inside of this car. Jesus calls them out on it because they were forgetting about the inside stuff. They weren't being generous to the poor. They had neglected the justice and the love of God. See, when we start to root out the injustice and see people as image bearers and the very creation of God, it has to affect how we interact and respond to those around To the homeless person that is asking for money at the train station. To the family that's getting food at the food pantry that's in line. To the, to the neighbor that lives a lifestyle that you might not necessarily agree with. To the, to the friend that shunned you, that hurt you, that betrayed you. To the co-worker that did you wrong. Don't be like the Pharisees that are only worried about the external stuff. That's, that's the Sunday best kind of stuff. We, we might be able to play that game here on a Sunday morning between 10.30 and 11.30, 11.40. That's not what Jesus is after. Look deeper. Seek the justice of God and how it can shape you and inform and transform the way you respond. Not, not just to the poor, but to the poor in spirit. To the poor, to the emotionally poor that are around you. To the, to the ones that are poor in relationships that are around you. To, to, the, to the friend who hurt you that is poor in forgiveness because they lack forgiveness. What does justice look like? This is not just justice talking about handouts and making sure people have food, but this is diving deeper into seeing the disconnect in our lives and those relationships and seeing the image of God within them and seeing what justice looks like for them. The call to cultivate the space of our hearts for the King to come. We need to remove injustice. And I know that Cultivating this space can sometimes feel like we're waiting and, and, and we're waiting for a promise that just doesn't come. Like we're just kind of waiting around. When is this going to happen? And I think that if we do that, I think it's a promise that Jesus will come and, and we'll know when he's come by this, what it says at the end of that. Every heart of pride will humbly bow before him. Every deception will be exposed and replaced by truth to prepare everyone everywhere to see the light of God. 
See, selfish pride will be replaced by willful surrender. Hiddenness and deceit will be replaced by truth and light, and the life of God will be revealed and shown through us. See, the, the beauty of Advent, the coming of Jesus, is that he still desperately desires to come. He desperately desires to come and sit at the seat of our hearts. Do we have space for him? Is there is there room? Have you allowed bitterness to take a foothold? Have you allowed hurt? Have you allowed pain? Take the space that Jesus so desperately wants to come in. Folks, Jesus is coming. And he desires to come to you. I think as we cultivate the space, it's that to remind us today that we can do that by bringing, bringing stuff to life. Just bringing, bringing into life. Just, just do our active part in making right everyone. Just remove injustice. Just root it out of your heart. Whatever injustice looks like, it's, it's not easy. Cultivating, if you look at the theme of gardening, cultivating has some sharp tools, eating and digging stuff out. It's not, it's not without pain. But the beauty that comes after is a garden that will flourish with the life of God that's going to be revealed to us, through us. We pray with you. Jesus, we are nowhere near as good as we think we are. We are nowhere near as healed as we think we are. We are nowhere near as whole as we think we are. The beauty of Jesus and your coming should not move us to cower back in fear, but should allow us to stand with confidence at the reality that you desire to remove every scale from us. So God, this morning, as we sit, having heard your word, I ask that you would show us as we listen to these words in this song. What's, what's in my heart, Jesus? What's in our heart that you desire that you desire to remove so that you have done whatever you need to do in us. Remove whatever you desire to remove in us so that when you come, you can say, Jesus, you're Jesus.